We're going to pray and welcome Pastor Cameron this morning. Uh, Let's just go ahead and do that. Father God, we thank you um, just for this series about resurrecting hope. We thank you for a month where we focus on your death, your resurrection, your ascension, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for Pastor Cameron, Lord. We pray you'd bless him as he comes. Give him grace to share with us. And Father God, open our ears, open our hearts to hear the truth of your scripture, to hear the truth of your word, to hear your heart, God, when it comes to the the death and resurrection of your son. Help us to open up and hear it, to really get it. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. God bless you all. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us. And we are continuing this series on resurrecting hope, overcoming life's greatest challenges. And this Sunday, being Easter, I want to focus in on that part of it, overcoming life's greatest challenges, and ask ourselves, How does the resurrection that happened thousands of years ago connect meaningfully with life's greatest challenges? And so let's ask ourselves, what are life's greatest challenges? What's your greatest challenge right now? What are you what challenge are you facing that if you were alone with a friend that you trusted that's what you'd be talking about Or if you were alone with nobody around that's what you'd be thinking about What are the greatest challenges in life Right now I have a, a sore hip it's, it's actually not too bad today, but uh, a week ago, I could barely walk. So, you know what? I think about my hip a lot. <laughs> I can't lay flat to sleep. I have to sleep on a chair. <clears throat> I think God's getting me ready to sleep on an airplane. <laughs> but that's, that's not even my greatest challenge. You know, kind of. I, I made a big list. I didn't put it up on the screen, but uh, I was thinking, what are, what are the greatest challenges? It kind of changes based on, you know, your life. 
when you're a little kid, when I was when I was a boy, my father uh, had a terminal illness. He ended up living till he was 60, uh, even though he got came down with this disease in his 30s. And there were many times where my mom would tell me, you know, he might not make it till tomorrow. That was a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge when, actually, during that season, my mom decided she'd had enough and moved out. It was a challenge when they did the stupid thing of taking me into the room, my mom did, and said, you know, do you want to come with me or do you want to stay with your father? Don't do that to a kid. You know what else was a challenge? Acne. I thought that would get a laugh. <laughs> hey, acne's no laughing matter, dude. <laughs> All right, what's your greatest challenge? Somebody else. What's a big challenge? It doesn't have to be the greatest. Hello, anybody in the room? Is the house right? Lights right? I'm sorry, what? Money! They should write a song about it. Money. Boy, you know, if you had enough money, all your problems would go away. We all know that's not true. But we chase that fantasy nonetheless. But you know what? Money does make some things easier. What else? Moving a house. I, had a, I have a friends. <clears throat> they live in the Upper Peninsula, Ron and Renee Grukowski. Some of you may know them. <clears throat> and they actually moved their house. He's an engineer. They sold the property, but they kept the house. <clears throat> and he lifted it up and moved it about a quarter of a mile down the same road and then sat it back down. And I went and visited him while he was in the process, and he was glowing like a kid. Because this engineer got to do something he'd never done before. But that's not what you were talking about, is it? Mo oh, moving, moving all of the stuff. See, he just picked up the house with all the stuff in it and sat it back down. <laughs> Kathy and I have been in our house for, what, 26 years? There are still boxes unpacked. We have moved twice in our marriage. We're done. <laughs> Relationships? Ugh. Marriage. One of the greatest challenges, actually, money and marriage are the two uh, sources of uh, the most uh, difficult challenges in life. Navigating not only a difficult marriage, uh, but even good marriages. Navigating the disappointment you feel when what you had hoped for, what you, what you promised on that wedding day, turns out to be difficult, to be disappointment, maybe even despair, and you don't know. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. Even when it goes good, it's a challenge. Children. <laughs> Talking with a friend just... 
couple days ago, grown grown. He was talking about a son that was an adult going through a difficult time. I was like, you know, once you have a kid, you never stop worrying about your kids. It it never stops, but it's a delight. But it's a burden. Life's greatest challenges, job, workplace, addiction. Oh, my word. So many people are addicted on some level. We see the full-on heroin addicts or meth addicts. But you know what? People are addicted to work. They're addicted to pleasure. They're addicted to TV. They're addicted to the Internet. Addicted to all kinds of different. There's addictive lifestyle traits that we all fall into to some degree or another. And that challenge doesn't go away just because you have a good night's sleep. Every morning you wake up, you face a challenge. How about sickness, chronic illness, pain, pain, pain is a pain, death. Loss, grief. Listen, those are the challenges. Whatever aspect that you're going through, finding a job, finding a career, finding a spouse, finding a friend, finding yourself, finding God, all of those are challenges. And the resurrection speaks to them all. If you go to the city of Jerusalem, which I had the honor of doing a few years ago, you see these signs, the Via Della Rosa. And that is uh, translated the way of suffering. How many know what the Via Della Rosa is? Seriously? Raise your hand if you know what the Via Della Rosa is. Like 10 people in the room. It's, it's, the, it's the path that Jesus carried the cross, basically from his trial to, to where he was crucified. And so you can actually, they've kept record of it <clears throat> for many, you know, many, many, many thousands of years, almost 2,000 years now. And <clears throat> they have these signs, so you can actually walk. And probably today, right now, there are probably thousands of people doing it. They do it on their knees. Good, good solid, committed Catholics and Orthodox believers, uh, as well as others. But many walk it and pray. Many carry the cross. Uh, down the road from the trial to the place where Christ was crucified. <clears throat> and sometimes we get caught up in the details of biblical truths and miss the main point. There would be no resurrection if there wasn't death. There would be no death if there wasn't suffering and rejection, and betrayal. And Jesus walked the way of suffering to get to the place of the cross where he said earlier in one of the Gospels, he accomplished his death. Jesus went to Jerusalem to accomplish the mission that he was sent, but that mission was walking the way of suffering. 
And so in the same way that Jesus had to walk and endure suffering in order to get to the place of death, in order to get to the place of resurrection, we have to endure sufferings in life in order to see the power of the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. Does that make sense? Hello? Right? You have to get this about the resurrection. It infuses the challenges of life with meaning. Christianity is not, hey, come to Jesus and all your problems will go away. Anybody says that, they're selling you a product. Christianity is carry your cross. Die to yourself. Follow Jesus. Hebrews, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and finisher or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So there was physical pain, but there was also emotional pain. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So there was something on the other side of the cross that he had to endure, on the other side of the shame that he had to endure, and that something was joy, and that something was being seated with his heavenly Father. Jesus faced suffering with his eyes set on joy. We are the face suffering with our eyes set on him. So that suffering we thought about earlier, whatever you thought about, in that suffering, in that challenge, in whatever obstacles you're facing, fix your eyes on Jesus. Follow him through that to the place where he's going. It's the challenges of life uh, that the resurrection of Jesus uh, gives us hope in. If we didn't have challenges, if we didn't have uh, obstacles, we wouldn't need the resurrection. You don't need a savior. You're not lost. Right? And that's actually the biggest problem for most people. Not only people in the world, people in this room, people like me, because there's areas in my life where I think, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm pretty good. Got a nice car. Got a house that's nicer than some. <laughs> Relatively warm. <laughs> we keep it at 60. Can you believe it? <laughs> Sometimes 58. Got a, a wife that also enjoys cool weather. <laughs> My challenge is this afternoon, actually, I'm going to Mexico, and I'll be down there for this whole week ministering at a school, and its uh, average temperature is 100 degrees. Pray for me. It's like the gates of hell. (laughs) But it's really really powerful because it's uh, such a fruitful ministry. 
It's in the challenges of life that the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. That's where you need to find uh, hope. But how? How does this really work? How does the resurrection offer hope? And that's what I want to talk to you about. Uh, hope in the Bible is not a wish. It's not like, well, I, I kind of hope I get a new car. I hope I get a better job. I hope my hip gets better. That's not what hope means in Scripture. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. It's a knowing. It's an assurance. You know it's going to get better. In fact, it's going to get better than ever. In the midst of our greatest difficulties and challenges, we know that joy is on the other side. Peter said it this way, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are born again into a hope that's alive. And this is so radically different than every other uh, philosophy or religion. All right? That we actually believe Jesus Christ conquered death. That he, he became alive. I was reading an article. <clears throat> actually, it wasn't a Christian uh, uh, article. It was... Uh, an article, I think it was an interview with a celebrity, and he mentioned something about uh, uh, someone asking him about faith in Jesus, and he, he kind of snarkishly replied, he was like, wait a minute, are you telling me you, you expect me to believe that someone rose from the dead? And he like scoffed it off. At least he heard the actual message you know, and maybe he's still thinking about it. And maybe since the time that was written, he's actually come to the place where Jesus has convinced him. But our hope is in the fact, the truth, that on Sunday morning, when uh, the, the women went to the grave, Jesus wasn't in the tomb. The Bible says, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we of all men are most to be pitied. Because we're basing our hope, our expectation on the fact that he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He, it, through the cross and through the resurrection, he conquered death and the grave. In Romans 15, it says it this way. It says, uh, and again, Isaiah, quoting a prophet that lived 700 years earlier, prophesying about this man, Jesus, says, there shall be a root of Jesse. In other words, a descendant of Jesse, that descendant through David, is Jesus. And he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall have rope. He's going to rise to reign. And the Gentiles, in other words, all the people of the earth, in addition to the Jews, will have hope. And then now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in and uh, may abound in and overflow with confident hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How does the resurrection help us in the midst of our challenges? Through it, we're born again into hope powered by God Himself. It's not hope you have to muster up. Okay. 
It's hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're not feeling hopeful, you go, Holy Spirit, bring it on. You know, that's like Bill said, there's seasons in life where you just have to endure for a long time. The Holy Spirit doesn't give up, and neither do you if you have the Holy Spirit in you. Are you hearing me? Is that good news? How does that resurrection help you in the midst of financial difficulties? You know that if Jesus Christ could raise from the dead, Jesus Christ can help you through this. That. <clears throat> if you're going through the difficulty of a death of a resurrection, uh, of a relationship, if Jesus could rise from the dead, Jesus can get you through this death of a relationship or death of a loved one or your own impending death. Another place in Isaiah, speaking again of the Messiah, this is kind of a long quote, but I'm going to read it because it's, it's the gospel in the Old Testament. It says, he, <clears throat> this uh, servant um, uh, 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 that was coming, the son of man, he was despised and rejected. Again, this is prophesying hundreds of years before it happened, speaking of what Jesus would endure. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. So when we have sorrow, when we face challenges, when we experience grief, Jesus does too. All right? We turned our backs on him, rejection, and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed, all of us, like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb, to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people, our rebellion. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy long life, in fact, eternal life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands when he sees that uh, all that is accomplished by his anguish he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant, Jesus Christ, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. We can be counted righteous because of what, what Christ accomplished, for he will bear their sins. I will give him, this is God saying what he's going to get do to Jesus. God will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebellious or the rebels. 
Can you imagine that prophet, Isaiah prophesying that, not knowing really what he was talking about? But God then, in the, in the unfolding of God's uh, sovereign plan, fulfills all of that in the person of Jesus Christ. How does the resurrection help us? It teaches us that Jesus experienced challenges far greater than we have, and he overcame them. So in whatever challenge you're facing, whatever difficulty you're dealing with, you can turn to Jesus and say, this ain't nothing compared to what he went through. That helps me. I don't know if it helps you. You know, if you know someone else can get through it, and that someone else is there cheering you on and helping you, that helps me. It also tells me that the path to resurrection is suffering. The Bible says this from beginning to end. So when we're going through hard times, when we're facing challenges, that shouldn't discourage us. It should encourage us because we know we're on the right path. Christ's suffering paid for our sin. His punishment was for us. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so that we'd, we could be whole. Aren't you happy that Jesus took the brunt of the punishment, the brunt of the pain, so that we could live and live eternal with him? All right? So our suffering doesn't, uh, 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 doesn't pay for sin. Uh, Jesus paid the full price. But the, how does the resurrection help? <laughs> By teaching us that God never asks us to walk a path that he has not already walked. He never allows us to endure something that he hasn't already endured far worse and survived. There's a, a, a common misunderstanding that says God will never make you face something that you can't endure. That's not true. God will not make you face something that he can't endure, that he can't bring you through, even if it means death, because you can't experience, you cannot experience resurrection, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unless you die. How many are looking forward to dying? The resurrection gives me hope because I know that, that that is no longer an end. That's when I get totally free from pain and suffering and lack and sin and temptation. Hardships exist so, to teach us to put our hope in him. We suffer not to earn forgiveness, but to know Jesus better. Paul says it this way, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which uh, is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you think Paul was doubting whether he was saved when he wrote that? I don't think so. But I think he was clearly describing 
his motivation for enduring the loss of all things, for suffering hardship. Uh, he was beaten, shipwrecked, all for the sake of the gospel. And he was explaining he's doing that so he could know Jesus better, so that he could attain the resurrection. He had his eyes on Jesus, not the problem. And he saw Jesus had resurrected from the dead. He was seated in the heavenly places with God. And he knew that nothing this world or the enemy could throw at him could keep him from following his Lord Jesus. That's in the Bible to teach us to do the same thing. If your eyes are on Jesus, nothing this world has to throw at you. No temptation, no sin, no disappointment, no failure. No inadequacy, no lack, no disability, no addiction. No other person, including yourself, can keep you from the resurrection if you just fix your eyes. Just keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. That's what the resurrection teaches us. That's how the resurrection helps us now. That makes real change in my life. When I'm facing an obstacle, I don't want to face. It makes us realize to count all things as loss for the excellence of knowing Jesus. In another translation, it says, everything else is worthless. The message says, all the things I thought were so important are gone from my life. It changes the way you evaluate everything when your value is placed primarily on knowing Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. You're willing to endure suffering and challenges because your eyes are set on him. Everything else in life is only meant to be a means, an avenue, or a pathway to increasing your experiential knowledge of the person Jesus Christ so that you can know him better and follow him more closely and hear him more clearly. But you need to connect the dots to whatever you're experiencing, whatever challenges you're facing, to how that can make you closer to Christ, how you can find Jesus in that challenge in that moment. You have to connect the dots. If you value things, in this life too much, they'll become a distraction and possibly an idol, and we risk missing the whole point of life. Or even if we get lost in the pain of our suffering, and suffering hurts, man. I've been, with, I've been there. I've grieved the loss of loved ones. I've walked with people dealing with addiction. I've pulled my hair out over financial challenges. I've experienced betrayal in the deepest way imaginable. I've been there. But if you get lost in the suffering without realizing it's meant to enable you and I to know Christ deeper and more meaningful, you actually lo risk losing the purpose of that suffering, which is hope in the resurrection. Are you hearing me? So in the good things and in the bad things, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, Paul writes it in Romans this way. If we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. But first you got to be in the likeness of his death. 
former pastor, the founding pastor of the church, Ken Norbert, did a whole bunch of study uh, when we built that cross to make sure it was the, uh, the, the best, yes, dimensions of the cross Jesus actually carried. That's what he carried. It's heavy, isn't it? That's why it's been out in the garage for the last 20 years. <laughs> and why we bolted it to the wall so it doesn't fall and kill somebody. All right. If we're joined in the likeness of his death, we have hope uh, that we shall be uh, uh, joined in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Ah! That means no sin has power over you. It doesn't mean you'll never sin, because you can still yield to sin. But you don't have to sin because it can't force you. You have the upper hand in the battle with sin. And if you do yield, we have a Savior that's there to forgive and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, to get you back on the path. Our old man was crucified that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Listen, this was a slam dunk. Jesus accomplished the victory that cannot be undone. The life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, guys, this is the big point here. Because of Jesus' death, the payment was paid. He bore on himself all of our iniquity and our infirmity. And he took that, all of the shame, all of the guilt, he took that to the grave. And then on the third day, he rose from that grave. He burst out of it. There's an Old Testament verse that says he gripped the gates and tore the bars away. And he walked out victorious, and he said, follow me. Follow me. Death no longer has dominion over Jesus. Death no longer has dominion over you if you're following him. Sin no longer has dominion over Jesus. Sin no longer has dominion over you if you're following Jesus. If you're here and you've never turned your affection to him and placed your conviction and your commitment upon him, do so now. Or if you did at one point in your life, but you've fallen away from that path and you haven't stayed true to the, 
to the way of suffering, to the, uh, to the, the, the walk that Jesus has called you to. Repent from that and turn again and fix your eyes on Jesus so that death no longer has dominion over you and sin no longer has dominion over you and that you can then become a beacon of hope and joy and peace and life to those in your world that don't know the hope that we find in Christ's resurrection.